Welcome back to the Strength and Speed Podcast. I'm your host, Conquer the Gauntlet Pro, Evan Preparis, and joining me, I have Brenna Calvert on the line. Brenna, say hi. Hey, everybody. Glad to have another just me and Evan episode. It'll be fun. Yeah, like Brenna said, this episode is just me and Brenna. We're going to go over some of the races we've done this year, some of our off-season training, how it's been going, and kind of give you a highlight of, you know, kind of what's coming up for the rest of the year. So before we get to that, though, let's get a word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Elite Ops Energy Strips. So if you're not familiar with Elite Ops Energy Strips, they're very, they're very much like the Listerine strips, right? It's like a minty-flavored strip you put on your tongue, and it's got 100 milligrams of caffeine in it. So you take that either before a race or before a workout, and it gives you that boost of caffeine without anything extra to sit in your stomachs or any additional calories. So for those of you trying to you know keep your calorie intake low, is a great option, or uh, I like to use them. I like to buy just a bunch of regular gels, and then have the Elite Ops Energy Strips in addition to it. So I can either just have a regular gel plus a strip if I want caffeine, or just have a a normal gel. So, Brenna, you ever use the Elite Ops Energy Strips? Um, you brought some and shared at a race, I believe. I think last season, and um, I like them just like pre-race because I. I mean, I know I've tried caffeine, different gum, and things like that, and I just don't want the lingering in my mouth. So the strips are nice because they just it's real quick and then it goes away and gives you the little caffeine you need. So I definitely recommend them if that's something you're interested in trying. Yeah, so they they come in a couple different options, a couple different packs. Um, I have like a little uh, rubber thing that sticks to the back of my phone that allows me to carry them wherever. And I travel a lot, so I think they're awesome for travel because you don't have to carry like if you like taking pre workout stuff, you don't have to carry like a big jug. You can essentially carry a couple of these strips and you're good to go. And then other than that, they're they are safety sealed, so like it's not it would be very hard for your child to some like get into them and eat a whole bunch. And then last note, they do contain 100 milligrams of caffeine, which is like uh, a cup of coffee. So if you're real caffeine sensitive, that might bother you. But uh, yeah, if you want to order some, code SS10 gives you 10% off. Uh, check them out. Military veteran owned, and they are a sponsor of Endure the Gauntlet. All right, let's get to it. Uh, let's start talking about our off season and how our season's been going so far. So, Brenna, let's start off with you with your off season. How's how's your off season? You know, from January or I guess it would be November through uh, Marchish. How did that go yeah. for you? <laughs> um, well, so I feel like off season went forever, and for me, I can get into it in a little bit. It's still kind of happening, <laughs> but um, very different from yours and many others. Um, I started off season good and, you know, had a good, good rest after the full season and build and everything. And then, uh, did some recovery, resting, hanging out. Um, and unfortunately when I got back into like just off season training, we were at the first CTG pro team takeover at Conquer Fitness in Tulsa. And <laughs> during the partner workout, I rolled my ankle pretty bad and, um, that was basically, I think, beginning mid-December, and it was actually, it took me out for a while just because I wanted to recover properly from it, being the off-season, no need to rush that, and 
I've had bad ankles before, but it wound up being like a way longer thing than I anticipated. And, you know, didn't go, it wasn't broken or anything. Let's just say that. But, um, the effects lasted and then long story short, I hit like the first winter in Kansas ever that I've lived here that's new to me. And it was miserably cold and training just fell off. So off season was kind of rough. Um, I had a slow start. Usually I start racing, uh, early and, you know, go heavy, but I've only done maybe like five races so far this season. And, um, for me, that's kind of on the slower side. So we'll get into the races that I've done, but I'm just trying to find my groove again. And, the like, I'm working on the mental side of everything right now. So, um, and physical training at the same time, but right now I'm trying to get in the head game of wanting to be back in it. So it's kind of different than most people I think are experiencing at this time. But Evan, I'm sure yours is the complete, like I said, opposite end of my off season. Well, I mean, not quite. I think I think also your off season goes to show that like even people who are very good at the sport have, you know, they have ruts and they have flunks, and you know, sometimes you know, not everyone, not everyone on every day is like, yes, I get to go out and train today, right? Like that's normal to have ups and downs. Um, so I think, you know, everyone has to talk themselves into training sometimes. So that, I think that's completely normal, and I think it's a good thing to share. Um, yeah, I've been yeah. better at sharing it, and that was kind of the thing was, like, I was not doing the whole, like, fake post that made it sound like I was doing more. I just wasn't being social or talking much, and people started to realize, like, hey, what's going on? Like, I just haven't been training. You haven't been feeling it. So talking about it and letting others know that, like, hey, that happens. You know, a lot of people have said how, wow, you know, they didn't realize that someone that trains and races all season can get like that. I'm like, oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> it happens to everybody. Even though my schedule doesn't look like I was in a little bit of a funk, but, you know, I had, I was spending a little more time with my family. And then um, on the personal side, my one of my grandmothers died. So, right, like that kind of puts a damper on training. So I felt like some of my off-season training was a little bit off. Although I did, I did get in some good – good early off-season races at the beginning of the year. So um, we'll talk about those a little bit. So I did like three ultras kind of in the beginning of the year where I was very not concerned about time. I just kind of, I didn't really take a taper much beforehand. I used it as a high mileage week, so I tried to train through the races. Uh, I did the Triple D 50K up in Iowa, which was like a flat, just 50K race. Um, Kept real consistent pace. I think I was running... Let's see. Uh, was I running an hour and a hour and a half for every ten miles, and just like dead on splits? So I think I finished in yeah four thirty total, and uh, finished second place. So that was cool. That was actually my first straight ultra podium, even though it was a small race, but that was nice. Wow, nice. Yeah, uh, I also did the Psycho Wyco fifty k in Kansas City. That was just a complete mud bath. If you go back to my, I think it was in March or February, I can't even remember now. If you go back to my Instagram post, there's like, I mean, the course just kept getting, it was a 10-mile loop, three laps, and the course just kept getting worse. I was wearing ice bugs, and I was still slipping. It was a complete mess. So that was OCR, though? No, that was, that was just straight, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, straight trail race. So another yeah. another training event, yeah. Yeah, I like how you say you just put in a couple races at the beginning of the season when that's, like, more miles than I know I put in in a season. <laughs> but, like, most people, your, your well, first three races have covered more mileage than most. So. 
Well, you know, I have different, I have different goals. I'm ultra OCR focused. I'm focused on toughest mutter, and I'm focused on endure the gauntlet, right? So your your body needs to build up to that. You can't just you can't just jump into those things, you know. And I've been doing this for a couple of years, so I know what I know what a 50k does to my body, and I know I also don't push myself that hard, right? Like it sounds funny, but like I go for the 30 mile run, and I I just kind of coast, and I try not to get caught up in the race because it's very easy, especially if it's a small race and you're doing well. To be like, oh, I'm gonna run this guy down, and be like, you gotta be like, all right, hold back a little. This is just training. It doesn't, you know, you have to remember like it doesn't count for anything, or at least you know, in my in my mind it doesn't count for anything. So, yeah, getting your head right for it. Yeah, and then the other one I did, um, which was more of a mental test. Well, it was mental and physical. Was I signed up for this thing called the uh, Dreadmill 100 or the or uh, the Dreadmill Challenge? So someone, it's some ultra, I'm in some ultra running community and someone had posted it in there and they said, you know, you sign up for this thing. It's a virtual event and you have 48 hours uh, and you can do it essentially whenever you want. And the clock starts when you get on the treadmill and it stops 48 hours later. And over that 48 hour period, you have to run a hundred miles. So you can do it any way you want. I mean, you can get on the treadmill and just slog out a hundred miles right away. You can break it into 10 mile increments, you can break it into hour, you write whatever you, whatever method you want. I saw that, it looked like the worst idea ever. And then I thought about it for like 48 hours and then I was like, yeah, this is a bad idea, I'm gonna do it. So uh, yeah, so I signed up for it. The actual event was in December, but it didn't fit into my training schedule. So I emailed the race director and I was like, hey, can I do it in February? And she was like, yeah, that's no problem. Um, but you won't be listed in the official results, but I'll still send you a buckle. And I was like, all right, that's cool. Just, just trying to log some training miles here. Uh, so I started on a Friday. Uh, I did about 20 miles in the gym, uh, at work. And then I went to like the local gym near my house, did another five miles, went home, had dinner, went into my garage, did you know another 10 miles or something like that. And, uh, I ended up doing it was something like. 35 miles Friday, 40 miles Saturday, and then what is that? Leave me. 25 miles Sunday morning. So I hit I hit 100 in about 44 hours. So. It was awful. Watch. <laughs> so it, it was awful. Uh, it was about as awful as you'd expect. The first day actually was not bad because I don't know. You just kind of get. I just get you get into the zone, and my legs are still fe- feeling pretty fresh. So first day was not bad. Saturday and Sunday, we kept getting progressively worse, right? Because you wake up the next day and realize you have to do it all over again. Um, and also, like, initially when I start doing the math, like, you forget how long it's going to take you to run each of those, like, segments. So really, like, I ended up running for an hour or so, hour to two hours. I'd get off the treadmill, have a snack, like, lay down for a bit, and then, like, get back up and just repeat. Like that's what I did all weekend. Uh, it was uh, it was mind numbing. Also, like you know, you're not moving anywhere. Uh, to counteract some of that, things I did were I would switch treadmills. So again, I go from I use the treadmill at work, I use the treadmill at the gym near my house, and I use my personal treadmill. So even just changing treadmills to like a different environment, even though you're still not moving anywhere, definitely made it a little bit mentally easier. And then other than that, I had my phone on me, so I'd watch YouTube clips and. I tried to watch some movies, but I didn't, they didn't really pan out yet uh, very well. I mostly watch YouTube clips to kind of take my mind off the suffering. 
Yeah, okay, for those that complain about getting on the treadmill, I mean, just imagine doing 100 miles on the treadmill. <laughs> you know, part of that is I'm trying, I was trying to, now I can announce it, but I was trying to prep for Endure the Gauntlet. So I'm, sp- I'm going to run 48 hours for Endure the Gauntlet. I use that term loosely, run. And I wanted to make sure, I've done other things that are endurance related over several days, but I wanted to make sure that I could do consistent running over a 48 hour period. And running on a treadmill is mentally exhausting. I mean, I think we've all experienced that at least at one point or another. And in my mind, if I could, if I could do this, that would kind of build some mental resiliency. So then um, come August when I'm at Conquer the Gauntlet Tulsa running multi-laps, I can look back and be like, well, at least I'm not on a treadmill. At least I'm outside. So some of my logic behind that. There you go. And that is – and so for, for anyone's curious or anyone else – thinks that they have a really strong desire to make a terrible life choice. Uh, I think she opened up another Dreadmill 100. So um, if anyone asks, if anyone's interested, shoot me a message and remind me, and I'll try to share the link to the Strength and Speed Facebook page. Cool. Yeah, they, all the money goes to charity. Um, can't remember what the charity is off the top of my head. Do you remember, Brenna? Oh, man. I remember reading it. No, I'm going to fail you on that one. Hmm. Okay. It was some uh, it was some disease. I can't remember what it is off the top of my head. Alzheimer's, maybe? I think it's Alzheimer's. Wow, then I really should remember All right. that. <laughs> well. Because yeah, when, when I commented about what the charity was for, you said someone in your extended family had, um, had suffered from it. Yeah. I can't remember what it, what it was. Then it would be Alzheimer's. So. All right, then. Yeah. That's, how, that's why I asked, and that's why I figured you would know. Okay. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> Yeah, so that was your three, like, little start of the season, I guess, right? And that takes you to March, correct? Yep, and then it gets into, finally, OCR season. Although I did I did do one OCR, which we already talked about, the Abominable Snow Race um, up in Wisconsin in January. But not, like, then March, April, start or April started actual OCR season with uh, Terrain Race Tulsa. So, Brenna, you were there. What were your thoughts on Terrain Race Tulsa? Um, so that was the beginning, my OCR season, basically the first thing I was doing. Um, I went purely for fun just because terrain race to me is more, they do an elite wave. Um, it's more fun than super competitive or super challenging. Um, but there's fast field. I mean, I had never raced terrain in Tulsa. I think that was their first event in Tulsa, I believe. Um, so there's a good showing for their first time being there and, uh, lots of CTG family. It was very, like, I felt like a conquer the gauntlet crowd all over. Oh yeah. There was more green and black there than <laughs> I think orange. Yeah, for sure. It was kind of funny. Yeah. It was comical. And like I said, I, I worked on build for terrain. So seeing my crew and build family was fun, but, um, the race, I mean, I thought everything was good. They have, they've stepped it up a little bit with their rig and they have like a new obstacle that's kind of. I think they debuted it at the end of last season and we're like changing it and kind of it's evolving this season um like called mo mountain and it's a take on olympus tip of the spear traverse wall with the balance and like peg traverse thing if that makes sense um but it was fun i got outrun very easily like no doubt running just is not on point but thankfully because of the rig and monkey bars at the end i was able 
to come back and take, I think um, I got second at Terrain Race Tulsa. So that was exciting. And then you had, y'all had a like super fast field for the guys. Yeah, it was, I was a little upset. I, I was like, oh, Terrain <laughs> Race, no one's going to that. And I show up and it's like Nathan's there and Bryce is there and the White Brothers who were absolutely phenomenal runners and uh, very good OCR athletes that based out of the Midwest that were there. Uh, Brent, one of the KCOCR guys, was yeah. there. Right? So, like, I show up being like, oh, I'm going to walk away with this. And I was like, oh, all right, I'm going to have to really try today. And, um, <laughs> I mean, we we took off out of that starting that starting pool so fast. I mean, Nathan was just burning it down. Um, and some, we had some lead changes over the course. And, you know, I, I'd done terrain for the 24-hour relay they did last year, but I've never done a regular terrain race. I had heard they were... You know, I experienced a little bit at the relay, but that was a little bit of a different type of event. And I heard they were a little more Warrior Dash-like, but I thought the obstacles were, were, were good. I thought they were really good. You know, like, it wasn't Conquer the Gauntlet or Savage Race difficult, but, I mean, it was it was well above Warrior Dash, you know? Like, 12 old, yeah. Yeah, the, the rig, and they had, you know, the, the none of the carries were super long or super heavy, but, you know, in a 5K time trial, essentially... You, you put a lot of these little things back to back. Uh, it was tiring. My heart rate was high. I ended up, I was hovering in around third or fourth for most of the race. At one point, I, I ended up way back. The last two obstacles, I was in sixth place. I'm sorry, fifth place. And Nathan passed me on the monkey bars super fast. He was, I don't know how he's moving so fast. And I actually, when he passed me, I started cursing at him. <laughs> um, and then there was that, that Olympus type obstacle. And then like this net balance beam net obstacle like so it was literally 50 meters and i'm in sixth place and i was so pissed off that nathan passed me like essentially right before the finish line because i was about to lose to him so i'm like cursing and i just i just put out put it all in uh flew across that olympus one i was going into the last obstacle which is essentially touching the finish line i was in sixth place and i basically ran up the balance beam and haphazardly ran across the net and then jumped off the top of the obstacle which is not the safest thing to do i ended up coming in fourth so you moved up two big... spaces in about, you know, 50 meters. I ran across it all crazy. Yeah, there's a video. Uh, you broke up a little bit there, but there's a video of... Uh, it's, you can see Bryce, me, uh, one of the White brothers, and Nathan all in the obstacle at the same time. First, you know, first place won by, I think, like a minute or something, and then second through sixth place were all within 30 seconds of each other, which is... I think the closest race I've ever been a part of. So. Oh, nice. Well, so... Yeah, very happy with my performance. Yeah, well, considering especially going from your long stuff to, like you said, the short. That's a very short distance compared. Yeah, I was gonna say the very next weekend. If I'm not, I think. Yeah, I think it was the very next weekend. Was um, Savage Race Georgia their spring event they do a. And I saw one. It's like one of my favorite. Cool. Um, like most competitive, I think. I don't know for Savage, but just I, I find that venue brings so many girls, so many guys from Florida, from Carolina. So they get people from all over for the competitiveness. Um, but it was fun because I got to experience like new obstacles for Savage, and they always have new obstacles for the season, which um, they're very creative and innovative on their obstacles I think every year and like I said they're one of my favorite top race series out there between like all around the whole package you know between um competitive wave 
good payout, awesome medals and bling, age group stuff, um, obstacles, festival. It's all always amazing. So um, I didn't have the best finish. Let's just say that. Uh, lost my band, actually, I think, maybe like a quarter mile to the finish line. <laughs> they had equal. So, okay, let me explain. Um very crazy terrain there, and they were just perfectly placed obstacles. They packed all their last ones were, you know, grip strength, everything. So they had wheel world, and up until that point, I'd had no issues. Get to wheel world, and I just go across, like, not even thinking, you know, I'm just going to do my thing. And I get to the last wheel, and I guess it was a different size, like, pit or area. So instead of the last wheel and then you drop off to the platform – there was like a rope that you had to traverse horizontally, but it was really high of a reach. So I got to the last wheel and was just so surprised. Like, whoa. Okay, so think for a minute. Well, if you lose your momentum on those wheels, they you just stop and you're just like dangling. So, like I'm hanging there and I'm trying to like, you know, get my swing on. I'm thinking like ninja stuff, you know, swing the legs, whatever. Um, but at this point, I'm just wasting energy, but I didn't want to drop because then you're wet. So I wound up like muscling, pulling up and did the chicken wing grip on the wheel and got up to the rope and I made it across. So I was like, whoo, okay, holy crap. Well, literally 20 feet away was Holy Sheet and that's one of their new obstacles this year. And it's basically a loose material that looks like a sheet. I mean, it's like, um, there's like silk, <laughs> whatever. So hanging kind of horizontally with slack in it, and you have to traverse hands only, not touching the ground. And then from that, there are a couple uh, ball grip holds they traverse across. So this was my fit, but I mean, my grip was just shot. And after wheel work, my forearms were so pumped that, like, I always put those, you know how they put those taped wristbands on your wrist? I always make sure that they're really loose no matter what. My arm, My forearm was like, it was tight with the wristband. Um, <laughs> so I try Holy Sheet and yeah, I just, I wound up catching Rachel Waters there and she said that I think if I got through on my first, like if I went through, I would have been fourth, which was amazing because again, I was like so slow, still have obstacle proficiency down until that. <laughs> and they have their new, like they're testing out how it's fail pale. So Savage Race, instead of when you cross the finish line and the Elite Wave having to wait for, like, results and everything to be updated on obstacle completion, they basically gave you an extra wristband, and it's like a separate timing chip. And if you fail an obstacle and want to keep on going, you have to take off your Elite timing chip. I had to put my timing chip in the fail pail in the mountains, like, straight from the race. And, again, it was my second race, and I just... Just, I'm about having not somebody my hands and try every method for hours, so I just took the route, unfortunately, giving up my band. But and so then after Holy Sheet was still Colossus and something else. I mean, it like wasn't over <laughs> the grip. It just it was brutal. But Savage is. I mean, they threw that out of there. I mean, it was like a very big surprise to a lot of people. That course was took bands from many people that weren't used to doing that. Yeah, and that that was that's one of the first Savages of the year, right? Yeah, I first. think. Well, so they do Florida first, and then I think that was probably their second venue. I, I believe. Yeah. I believe it's their second venue. So it was awesome. But they have, I mean, there's other new obstacles. Um, 
ram. Oh, geez, was it battering ram? No. I can't. Yeah, uh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. It's the. It's like um. It also reminds me of a Ninja Warrior type yeah, obstacle. It's so like a, you have to slide. It's like a pipe over another pipe, yeah. and you slide. And you pipe slide. Um, and it's pretty cool because the the change the exchange in the middle is like a decent reach, so you don't pull it all the way like the cord in the beginning all the way the far, and you, like you make yourself a bigger gap. So you have to be smart there. Um, but again, just always great new medals this year. I mean, they always outdo themselves with the medals. They're huge and ridiculous and amazing and <laughs> you get your little syndicate pin and um for every you know if you race multiple savage venues you get a syndicate medal and extra pin for each state you go to so that's unique and cool for them um but yeah um you i always how's the obstacle with the it's like the I can't remember the actual name of it but it's a it reminds me of crank it up from conquer the gauntlet oh, so you use your feet yeah pedal to the metal so that one's cool um, so you basically like lay down, you run up to the obstacle, and they've got these giant spools and you lay down on your back and use your feet either, you know, one on each side really wide or you use two feet on like one edge and that's recommended. Um, and as you pedal, you are wheeling in a chain with like a, a weighted item at the end. Um, but it's really, it's, I wouldn't say it's hard. It's more just different and unique because like you're not used to doing that with your feet for an obstacle. I mean, Everything's so grip strength focused that it throws you off. And then after you, you know, you have a heart, a high heart rate when you run up to it and then you lay down your feet or above your head and then you stand up to run, like get to pull the weight back to the other end. And it's just like this funny feeling. Like it feels like almost when you get up out of shriveled Richard and your, your brain's just like thrown off or like if you roll through the barbed wire and you get up, you're just, your body's off. And so that's, it's different, <laughs> but it's fun. <laughs> Any issues with the mud on people's shoes and getting traction on that thing, or wasn't um, too bad? No, it wasn't bad because the spools are actual like real spools that have slats. If that makes sense, there are kind of cracks and grooves that your feet will catch on, and then I don't. It, it's like rough wood. It's not anything super slick. That and I honestly I haven't done it wet, so I know they just did a venue. North Carolina, maybe, that was pretty sloppy and had a lot of issues, but that was never, I never heard of that being an issue for that obstacle. Um, it came down to, again, more sawtooth and um, their grip obstacles that got, they're always the issue when it rains. So um, I definitely, I'm, I'm going to be at two more Savage races this year. I just don't know which ones yet. I just have two codes to use. So <laughs> I recommend everybody try to get to a Savage race. Um, I'll probably be at like Dallas, I think, later in the fall, and maybe the fall Georgia event. So, yeah, I want to get to a Savage this year. I'm not sure if it's gonna fit in with my schedule, though. I gotta look at it one more time. But currently, I don't have anything listed. But I really enjoyed the one I did last year. I did the Georgia one last year. I thought it was great, and uh, definitely a very good series. Just uh, with ultra OCR focus, and then you know, conquer the gauntlet is my other focus. It, it's just hard to schedule them in there, you know. So. Yeah, early. and I always recommend to people too because like a lot of people are price and I get it things are always getting more expensive. But um, I recommend the Savage Race that there's kind of like an insider info that you don't know for your first time. But um, if you know someone going to a Savage Race, they do a deal on like the race day at that venue that you can purchase a code for a future event, and it's cheaper to do that. So like if you have a friend going to like say this weekend's Ohio. 
you have a friend going to the Ohio race and you want to register for a later race in the season, have your friend like buy you that code and then you can pay them. Um, you know, people are always looking for ways to do that. And another thing I, I just like to tell people again, like CTG is, you know, all about community and people, Savage Race and the owners actually interact with the community. And so like if you have an opinion and voice things like in their Facebook group, they actually talk to you and get back to you and, answer your concerns and they have savage blitz this year oh my gosh totally forgot about that i haven't done one yet but it's like their short course basically doing it on sundays and they just take you know a handful of their signature obstacles and they're in a basically get to run two days in a row if you want or a shorter course instead of their six to eight mile and um they were rolled out with this year and then and everybody requested like a pro wave with prizes and awards and by the end of the season they will actually have a blitz with prizes and awards. So that's like right there. Then just they listened to what everybody said and they delivered. So it's pretty cool. <laughs> nice. Sounds cool. Especially again, I love the, I love the variation that OCR brings with, you know, short course blitz type stuff all the way up to 24 hour endurance. I think that's such a wide range of skill sets and activities that people can train and prepare for. And that creates a nice well-rounded athlete. Cool. Speaking of d- different types of races, I know you also got to attend the final Battlegrounds race, which is flat and fast. Um, what did you think of your first experience at Battlegrounds, which is also home to a winery? Yeah, so actually, surprisingly, I did not experience the winery part, just the race. Um, <laughs> I'm willing to go for a couple of seasons now because like, I know I've just had friends that have raced around them. I like to try you know, any soon. And, um, finally got there. I, I will say, like you said, it, it was super fun. It didn't really play any of my strengths. Again, I'm not running right now, but like, I rely on tricky, challenging obstacles to slow people down. And, um, this was fun, but in, for me, the very beginning, there was just way too much running, like before any actual obstacles. And then, there were some obstacles at the end. They kind of had like a, they put all their signature good viewing spectator friendly obstacles, you know, right at the end, which was cool. They had um, like festival area where you could see a lot of stuff. Like they had a really fast slide and like their hardest thing is a decent sized warp wall. Um, so that was fun because I, you know, passed a couple girls there, but, um, and they have this like a, it's called, I think it's called a gauntlet and it's basically five or six different lanes. Um, they traverse across and it ranges from like a rig style setup with like loop hoses that make it kind of loose, um, traverse, or, you know, there's like a balance option and you basically kind of choose your own. So that was unique and different, but I, shoot, I think I got 12th place. So again, not, not my, my strongest start to a season right now. Um, but I was glad to just go before it is no longer, um, that was their last event. So the festival was fun, um, good crowd, but again, it was <laughs> it was just too fast for me. People just like took off. Rachel Waters was there from the Green Braid Championship Ambassador team, and the whole Battle Corps crew. They're just the girls on there are fast, and they know that course. It's kind of like home turf advantage. You know how we are very proficient in TTG obstacles. They're very proficient on that course. So, um, but overall it was fun. And I'm, like I said, I'm glad I got to put a new series on the list before I couldn't. Um, but I need to stick to more of my 
tricky obstacles, even though Savage Race didn't fare so well. I'm going back to my band again there and CTG. So. <laughs> yeah, the for those of you who don't know, Tough Mudder is going to be using the Battlegrounds venue, so they have an exclusivity agreement. So it'll be a Tough Mudder venue for the next couple, for the next, I believe it's five years. So we talked about that a little bit when Christopher Balvin was on the podcast uh, earlier this year after Abominable Snow Race. So if you want to hear more about that, you can go back and listen to that episode. That's it for Battlegrounds. I was supposed to go to it, but I was actually overseas. So uh, I had a work trip to Germany. Because I was in Germany, I was going to miss Toughest Mudder South, which was the first uh, Toughest Mudder event because Toughest Mudder West got canceled. I was like, well, I'm missing Toughest Mudder South because I'll be in Germany. But since I'm in Germany, Toughest Mudder UK is like a short plane ride away. So... I was uh, busy traveling for most of last month, so I did a was in Germany for three weeks for work. I went to Prague for a day just to see what was going on over there, <laughs> which was cool. That was fun. I uh, went to the UK for four days for Toughest UK, and then uh, went to Ireland for 10 days with my wife and daughter for vacation. So Actually, my wife and daughter were there almost the whole time. Might used to be very, very beginning of the Germany trip. All over, literally. Yeah. Yeah, so very busy. Um, kind of leading up to Toughest UK, I was trying to cram in some more mileage, as I always do. Um, and I was, so I did like 20 miles one day. I do, you know, 15 miles the next day in the morning. And then I go down the treadmill and do a couple more. And I was doing an exercise where, like, I'd basically run a little bit on the treadmill and then I'd do some obstacles in my garage, get back on the treadmill, you know, back and forth, kind of practice doing obstacles with a higher heart rate. And I'd bought one of those um, PVC pipes that we have at uh, Conquer Fitness. It's just a, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, the one that you like roll and balance on. Right. Yeah, yeah I know what you're thinking. I hurt myself, right? That's what you're thinking. You're thinking I like yeah. ate it. I, I like. I'm explaining where's the fail video for Fail Friday. <laughs> I ran into the wall or something, right? I fell and hit my head. Wrong. You're 100% wrong. So yeah. I think what happened was, you know, I'd done I'd done that thing a couple times, but I did like. I did a lot of sets in between, you know, running on the treadmill. And I think it actually bruised, like, some of the, one of the muscles in the bottom of my foot. Because, like on your the arch of your foot or something? Yeah, on the arch of my foot. Because I went for a run the next day. Um, so at this point, it's I'm on my third day of endurance running. I've done 20 miles Monday, cumulative, broken into two sessions. 20 miles Tuesday, plus, uh, <laughs> like, a bunch of these rolling balance things. And then Wednesday, I get up to run. And I run for the first five miles with no problem. And then, like, my heel is in a lot of pain. Like, a lot. It's the first time I've ever, I don't know if it's the first time I've ever cut a run short. But I I had to, I stopped my watch a couple times and, like, tried to stretch it out and couldn't figure out what was wrong. And I, like, I was in pain running those last, like, two miles back to my car. Um, But it was, like, like, I think it it had bruised something on my, my instep of my foot. And that was tugging on uh, where it connects to the bone on your heel. So I had like a very, very sharp pain in my heel. Yeah, it was like that for like a, you know, I took a something like nine or ten days off from running, which is a lot for me. <laughs> and then I started, I, I started running again because I had toughest in two weeks. And I was like, all right, if uh, I need to know if I'm physically going to be able to do toughest or if my, you know, if my foot's gonna hurt too bad, or like, or like a piece of my, you know, muscle on my foot's gonna rip off, or something like something crazy. <laughs> um, so I started running again while I was in Germany, and it felt like I had a piece of dead skin on the bottom of my heel, uh, but it didn't hurt anymore. 
And I did that for a couple days, and uh, by the time Toughest Mudder UK rolled around, I felt good again, or I felt good enough where it didn't bother me. And uh, so I went out Toughest Mudder UK and raced there. That's crazy. Well, hey, at least you rested and listened to yourself, because it sounds like I felt one of those, like, um, do you ever have that stone bruise, you know, where you just step on something wrong on your heel? And it's just like, eh, I mean, that thing hurts, but I can because. If you, if you don't know what we're talking about, the rolling thing he was balancing on, it's like a three and a half inch PVC pipe that you just, you put it on the ground and you try to traverse, like move it across the ground by stepping and rolling. So it's like, it's a ninja warrior type obstacle that you've seen. So if you can just imagine how your foot would be curving over that and doing multiple reps could probably, yeah, cause a little discomfort. <laughs> yeah. And I bought it from Home Depot, you know, just, it's a, it's just a regular PVC pipe. It's nothing special. So yeah um anyway so i go out to toughest mudder uk different experience again because you know different country so that was kind of cool we were racing at like the foothills of belvoir castle so if you paid attention at points in the course you could see this like castle lit up at night i was staring at the ground most of the time so i think i saw the castle twice in eight hours (laughs) so shame on me (laughs) um but the the one thing i I, and I actually didn't realize it until most of the event was over, and I'm, I'm glad I didn't because it would have affected my performance even more. But it was a lot of running and not a lot of obstacles. So, I mean, they still had the same number of obstacles, but compared to World's Toughest Mudder and Toughest Mudder in the U.S. the year before, and even this year, there just wasn't a lot of grip obstacles, right? So Kong, which is their – it wasn't even Kong Infinity. It was just regular Kong, which is basically five rings. Uh, a, a ring consisting of rig consisting of five rings that was open yeah. for the first two laps and then they closed it for the rest of the event and i think it was because i'm guessing someone hit their head because it was no there was no water underneath and there was no pad it was just like hey i'm guessing someone hurt themselves is why they closed it um so that was only open two laps and then funky monkey was open the rest of the time so over the course of the eight hours there was one grip strength obstacle per lap right which means like you're typically not failing anything else. Um, yeah. That doesn't play in your favor either. No, I mean, that does not. you running, but still, like, you, you knock out obstacles, so. Right. So so I still did what was normal for me. I still did 40 miles. Uh, at all the toughest mutters, I've gotten 40 or 50 miles. Or, I'm sorry, 40 or 45 miles. So I still did 40 miles, and usually that puts me in the top 10. And it put me at, I think, 14th for males. I was a little disappointed with placement. A little disappointed with the obstacles. It, it honestly, it felt like toughest warrior dash. Like I felt like I was doing a warrior dash for eight hours. Um, <laughs> it was a little bit longer, but that can be tedious. <laughs> you know, Devil's Beard, which is essentially a net stake to the ground, was one of the obstacles. The low, it was low crawl. There's a bunch of mud pits. They did have Everest, uh, which was real wet, so that was really hard. And there wasn't a lot of people staying at the top, so that was hard to get up, get up over. The one thing that was interesting was they had electroshock therapy open for i think like two or three laps which is the one where there's just wires hanging down and you just run through and get electrocuted (laughs) and normally that's not that's not in any of the toughest it's normally just for regular tough mutter so i went through est i think two or three times um, which i kind of i kind of liked it because it was like i don't know (laughs) you have no choice but to just go like go in right you know um (laughs) <laughs> the other bad one was Arctic Enema. I literally watched Arctic Enema open, and I was the first person in it. Um, like, the guy opened the tape as I was running towards it, and I was like, you son of a... <laughs> you know, it was, 
it was still it was still stacked full of ice. I mean, like just a yeah, ton of ice in there. Layer. Yeah. And I hit I hit the ice, and I I I probably hit my PR for the 100 meter dash coming out of that thing because my, <laughs> like, I was freezing. Um, one of the other interesting one, things was there was a stream crossing. You know, you maybe had a 50 meter stream crossing that on the first couple of laps we went through, and it was just so cold. I remember being like thinking how freezing it was. Uh, but once Arctic Enema opened, you did Arctic Enema and then the stream crossing. <laughs> and after Arctic Enema, the stream actually felt warm. Yeah. So, like, you'd get out of Arctic Enema, and you'd get in that stream, and you'd be like, oh, it's so nice. When, <laughs> you know, the previous the previous couple of laps, you were, like, dreading the stream. So I thought that was really interesting how, you know, your body reacts to the change in temperature and not necessarily the actual temperature um, to a certain extent. I just so. – the water for me was – was too much. I want to go. I want to do another one, but still, there. Like I don't know. I want to be in a bunch of water. I need sunshine and heat. Apparently, <laughs> so my body says. You did Philly last year, right? That was the one you were at. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that was the coldest one of the three I did last year. I did Philly, Chicago, and Atlanta, and Philly was by far the coldest. Damn. And I was one of the fe- few people. Like, I was one of the few people not in a wetsuit. Oh, like good. Yeah, last one up, Toughest UK. The other thing that was different was Operation, where you, it's like a live game of Operation, right? Like there's a wall with a metal hole in it, and you put a giant pole through the hole and hook a ring on the on a far wall and bring it back, um, just like the Child's Game Operation, except with live electricity. I normally have no problems with that at Toughest Mudder and World's Toughest Mudder. In the UK, one, the poles were a lot longer. Um, the holes were a little bit bigger, but then the rings on the far wall were those ru- was like your rubber bracelets, right? Like, um, like a CTG elite finisher band. Yeah. This year's version, not last year's version. You know how this year's version is thick. Yeah. Yeah. So they were real thick, and I would hook the ring, and I couldn't get it off. Right, like, <laughs> so like my pole is is on this this bracelet and i'm like struggling with it and like sweating and my my delts are like getting exhausted and i'm getting electrocuted it's a disaster so it just sounds awful and sounds if someone doesn't know what we're talking about very bad in general <laughs> it, it it was the first time i've ever taken i took the penalty on the last lap because i was tired of getting electrocuted oh man and uh, it was like you know, it was probably 200 meters before the end, and I knew I wasn't. I knew my placement wouldn't change, so yeah. um, that's I was just that's tired of getting electric. <laughs> You're like, yeah, I'm over it. Moving on. <laughs> well, so did you get redemption because you your next event, I guess, was what you just did last weekend, right? Toughest Michigan. Yep. Uh, so yeah, I would say I did. The I loved the toughest mutter Michigan venue. It was it was pretty flat. It was easy to run on. Uh, the toughest mudder UK was a complete mud bath. I mean, I was slipping and sliding all over the place and my lap times were getting, they definitely got slower more than, I'm usually pretty even on my splits. My toughest uh, UK times were getting a little bit slower and I think it was because the course was just getting degraded so bad you were like slipping and sliding, but Michigan was nice. It was pretty hard packed. Again, compared to UK, UK has one grip shank obstacle. Uh, Michigan had, was it four per lap? <laughs> Which was much better, right? Like I was like, "Oh, thank goodness!" Yeah. They had Funky Monkey. They had Rope Dope, which is essentially you jump to a rope that's uh, in in the water, and you climb up it and then go down, like do a diagonal chivarolian traverse. 
they had Kong open, which was the uh, the rings, and then they actually changed it to Kong Infinity, which is like that rolling. It's like a rolling barrel full of rings into monkey bars. Mm-hmm. And then they had what was the last one? Oh, uh, just the tip, which is kind of like Conquer the Gauntlet's um, Dead Man's Drop. So it's a horizontal board, and you you transition on that for maybe I don't know ten feet, and then there's like a you know a peg a kind of trailer hitch a peg a trailer hitch a peg and then another 10 foot board not super challenging but if your hands are wet it can get pretty hard and if you're you know six hours or seven hours into an event also can get pretty hard Mm. i thought the obstacle placement was great you know the uh, my hands were pretty dry on almost all the obstacles so the only thing i failed over the eight hours was toughest mud i was uh everest on the very first on the very first lap, it was open because no one had gotten up it yet, and it was just like there was no one sitting on top. So um, <laughs> you had to be able to run up it, and it was actually there was a slight incline going up to it, not very much like OCR World Championships uh, 2016 with that warped wall when everyone got stuck. Oh uh, yeah, it was kind of like it was kind of like that. It was just like a very slight uphill, and the ramp was already wet, so people were. Um, People were just eating it, um, like, trying to get up the wall. <laughs> well, so how did you, how'd you, you finish? Like I said, you got redemption. So what was your final um, finish for that? So I ended up finishing with 45 miles um, in right around eight hours, plus or, minus a minute, plus or minus a minute or two. And I ended up finishing sixth, which is my highest, toughest mudder placement to date. So I was really happy mm-hmm. about that. Um, kind of mixed emotions, though, because fifth place is where the prize money stops. <laughs> uh, so I was... <laughs> I was a little upset about that, but at the same time, I was really happy with my performance. Again, there's nothing... The only thing I could have done better is run faster, right? If I would have run faster, I would have done better, obviously. But, um, like, I couldn't have... It's not like I looked back at my performance and said, oh, if I, if I didn't fail that obstacle or had more grip strength or more whatever, I would have you know, I would have done better. It was, the only thing I could have changed to do better is I could have run faster. And, uh, you know, it's not like I'm not trying to run faster. It's just that's what my body was capable of on that day. So. Exactly, but that's awesome to know because I mean that's a that's a strong finish. And but again, it's that you know like fourth place at a normal event. You know it hurts because you're just one away from that podium, quote unquote, or prize spot. So. Yeah. And the other thing I really liked about it was they in the past some of the toughest mutters like random ultra runners will come in and, and do well. Um, I'm not sure if some of those ultra runners were there. Um, they they've been at pretty much every toughest mutter I've seen. But as far as the top six guys, I mean, I knew all of them by name, and I, they're all OCR dudes, um, either short course or, um, you know, long course, world's toughest mutter people. So it was, you know, Ryan Atkins, obviously, with 50. Um, Chris Mendoza, 50 miles, another 100-mile finisher at world's toughest mutter. Jesse Bruce, uh, amazing. I think he's Canadian Spartan pro team, um, also super fast. And then it was uh, Matt Hansen, who's finished, you know, top five, world's toughest mutter, and Nicholas Amund. Um, he's been finishing consistently in the top ten at toughest mutters. So, and then May sixth. So that's a good, yeah, that's a good field to finish where you did. So impressive. Well, you missed a fun weekend though because of that. <laughs> I did. Uh, one more shout out though. I, I got to give this one shout out at toughest mutter Michigan. Oh, yeah. The, you know what I'm going to say? Yep. <laughs> They're, you know, those events cost like 250 bucks to enter. 
So, or ish, around there. There was a group of four Tough Mudder community members. So uh, it was Joe Van Tassel, Joe Herman, Ryan Cray, and uh, Francis Lackner, I think his last name is. Um, they did like two, la- two or three laps, waited till Everest opened, got themselves up onto Everest, and then sat there for like seven hours pulling people over, which is insane, right? Like they each paid $250, and all they did was help people for seven hours. You know, they, wow. for, they saved the field a cumulative, like an absurd amount of penalty miles, right? Because if you could reach their hands, they were strong enough just to, just to haul you up the wall. So, I mean, every time I got to Everest, I was just so thankful they were there. And it was just really like a, a great showing of what OCR and specifically, you know, Tough Mudder within that is, is about just helping others. Um, so in response to this, I was like, all right, you know, that was freaking awesome. You know, if everyone chips in like 10 bucks, we can essentially repay these guys for their entry, right? Because at some point, like while it's awesome and I'm sure they had a great time, it's also like, you know, you kind of sacrificed your race for other people. Oh yeah, totally. So I did. I uh, we I started like a little community fundraiser in Toughest Mudder, got a bu- got a bunch of donations going, and uh, you know everyone's shipping in ten bucks, ten bucks. And um, as I'm recording this, it's over up to six hundred already. And you know I was like, hey guys, I'm gonna you know we're gonna give you this money to repay your entry costs, and you know just cause, just show we really appreciate it. And again, it even further further show their their good spirit. Uh, they decided they're gonna take that money and donate it to charity to St. Jude's. So. Um, Another wow. great <laughs> good news. Like it's like double good news story. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. I mean, it just saved saved everybody. Game changer, kind of. You know, could have changed the event for people's outcome, and then again, pay it forward, and then they just paid it forward again. So that's that's awesome. That's what, like you said, tough mutter, especially the community, but just in general, OCR like take care of each other. Absolutely. All right, now let's get to what we've been waiting for. Uh, which I missed. First conquer the gauntlet of the season. Conquer the gauntlet, Dallas. Brenna, how did it go? Give us a give us a rundown. Man, well, so we've all been waiting so long. It seems <laughs> um, the the season started later this year, but um, didn't disappoint. You know, waiting was good. Uh, Dallas. So the past two years in Dallas have been a flood, and that's not even an exaggeration. It's been like flash flooding, horrific monsoon rains. So um, this year is actually a new venue, and we lucked out Texas weather, and instead of flash flooding, we were graced with their 100-degree weather, which I loved it, and it was amazing. (laughs) But that's not exaggerating. It was a very hot day. Um, But dude, CTG, I mean, it was was awesome. I've missed those obstacles. I feel at home on those obstacles. I've missed, again, other than Savage, you know, having something with a good challenge that goes, it's not a permanent fixed course and it travels around that you can catch all season. Awesome. So um, it was at a BMX, like a bike park venue. So it was flat until they actually utilized the course with the, like, bike hills. Um, The Heavy Carry, Conqueror's Carry, was on one of the bike hills in the bright sun. So we started 9 a.m. was the elite wave, and, I mean, it was already 91 degrees, I think. Um, For early in the season, for some, and just not used to that heat, you know, that right there played a big factor for a lot of the finishes. Um, We had nine 
pro team members there, which is awesome. Uh, we were missing you, missing out on Jeff and Ashley. Um, did I do math right? Who else are we missing? I don't know. There, is that all? I don't know. I don't know. I'll, it'll come to me. There's a lot of Yeah, there's a lot of us, but um, it was great. So, like I said, the heavy carry was awesome placement because it was on a, you know, on a hill. Um, they had your signature CDG obstacles that everybody knows and loves. Uh, Stairway to Heaven was there. Pegatron was there. Um, Cliffhanger, which are now very known spinning, rotating monkey bars on the incline and decline. Uh, Slackline was there. But there were two new debuted obstacles. Um, along with that excitement was just the obstacle placement. So five walls, the walls of fury, um, five eight-foot walls, was in the middle of the race. And, like, you know, and a lot of people know, that's usually towards the end, if not, like, That one spikes my heart rate so high. It's, it's like, terrible. (laughs) Yeah, so imagine it, like, oh, I have to, I could, I'm sure I'll get corrected, you know, like, say two miles in. And it was in, like, festival viewing, and it was just, you think, you're like, okay, cool, I'm not dead because I'm not at the end of the race. Nope, sure enough, that just gets you every time. And I think it was after a creek crossing, so... Now you're actually getting them wet and muddy for the first. Like normally, people you know will knock it or not, but like elite elite wave because you're in the beginning, you don't have super muddy obstacles um, and dirty. But coming out of the creek and then doing five walls was brutal. Um, again, I was just thankful this was the slowest I've ever started a CTG race. Um, I will always tell people, you know, they ask about bottlenecks and stuff like that. You just need to get faster. You need to get to the obstacle sooner. <laughs> and this was the first time I've ever not been, you know, like top 10 or 15 to an obstacle. So, like, belly of the beast, I got up on the platform, and that's where you run up the balance beams, and there's a platform, and then you have to tra- traverse underneath the cargo net. I got up there with, like, people, you know, four deep in line. I'm thinking, oh, geez, Brenna. Like, I, there was, like, 15 girls in front of me. I was just, like, out of my element. But I was having fun. Um, great wall. I had to wait for people to get out of my way, and that's their 12-foot wall. And I was just thinking, like, oh, my gosh, this is – I'm just waiting, and I can do these obstacles so fast and proficiently. <laughs> um, but that wasn't the race's fault. That was just me. So I always tell people, if you don't want to lie in at obstacles, get there sooner. <laughs> um, but the two new obstacles, so that's what everybody's been, like, waiting for. And – when this video goes out, just go back to the Pro Team page, Facebook page for Technique Tuesday because Jay rolled out with the Smooth Criminal Technique video. Um, so that was the first one we. Oh, wait, what was. Oh, no, yeah, okay, whatever. I do these in reverse. So it was towards the end of the race um, after Pegatron and before Tarzan. But basically, it kind of combined a couple of different obstacles that we've all seen. So it was quintuple steps from, say, American Ninja Warrior. So there was four steps into what looks kind of like dragon's back horizontal going in the opposite direction or like Olympus traversing with a pipe. So you do four quintuple steps, and then you have to take your leap onto a traverse wall that you grab the pipe, and it's at an angle. You traverse across that. And then you have another good leap over to another wall with a pipe. And there's a good gap. I mean, if you're small, you have to take, you know, it's more, I think, mental. Again, that's why I think a dragon's back because that whole, like, release and just know that your hands are going to catch you on that pipe and your feet will hit the wall and kind of brace you the other way. 
Um, so you have to make that leap over to it, and you traverse the second wall, and at the very end, it changes to three different rig holds. So there was, like, a nunchuck and a ball and a rope. Um, so you kind of swing and use those to traverse the last bit, and then you use your momentum from that last hold and have to, like, jump to another pipe traverse wall. So it's pretty awesome. There's a bell at the end. So it's four quintuple steps, three walls that you traverse horizontally with pipes and rig holds. Um, I wouldn't say super hard. It was tricky. I know, like, Randy Lackey, um, our pro team member, had some trouble there just because of something new and not used to it. So I think she took a couple tries possibly. Um, and I will say that I think it'll be a game changer when it's wet. So, you know, you have the option to you like single step those quintuple steps fast and then leap across. Or if you don't get the right push off, you just miss the pipe and like face plant on the wall. Or do you take the safe route and, you know, like double step or leap and grab the top of the quintuple step to make sure you get it. But, um, Again, when it's wet, that's going to be who knows what will happen with that obstacle. And I can't wait. Like, I don't like a wet race, but I'm curious to see how that goes <laughs> just for um, the finishers and belts. Um, and then their other new obstacle that was debuted, again, I love the names, uh, Elephant Graveyard. So kind of have to use your imagination, and we got pictures, and we'll do, again, the technique video. But basically, there's a bunch of horizontal pipes in a – upward ramp fashion so you have to like run up them kind of like steps in a way but if you can't balance on them the, the cool part that made it tricky was they kind of had a little slack so they bounced a little bit but if you can't run up them upright there was maybe five of them then you know you like use your hands and feet and step across kind of bear crawl ish across um, when you get to the top there's a horizontal pipe that you use your hands only and traverse it wasn't long maybe eight feet so you could get like two good swings and make it across and then you go down five pipes in, like, a downward ramp motion. So, again, if you have good balance and momentum, you just kind of, like, single-bound them, which that's the route I took. But it also made the people next to me kind of bounce. <laughs> um, so there were other people using, like, downward bear crawl, hands and feet um, to be safer. Again, I think it'll be a game-changer when it's wet. Who knows? You'll have to, you know, be very cautious and take a slower route. But it uses a mix of balance and grip techniques, so that's exciting. Um, and it was just the race, again, I've missed the obstacles. Having two new obstacles are amazing. Slackline was at the end of the race. The Ford Torpedo, the signature slide obstacle at the finish line. So, again, um, Steve, main prize, and the new build crew, um, they came up with a great course and put it together. Awesome. So I'm super excited. I will say... <laughs> So I unofficially, I went from like ninth or 10th place in the last mile to unofficially fifth place. Um, obstacles saved me. The rig was over water. They changed up the holds for the guys. I would say the rig for the guys are easier holds um, just because I think the rig used to be so hard and beat people down. Um, they made it a little more standard. There's like atomic holds on there, which are really awesome. Um, it's a bit more standard than like totally random lanes, but it was over water. So it's still a game changer. But the girls side, I feel like they made a little tougher because it used to just be rings in one rope. Well, they integrated along with atomic grip holds they have on the girls side are along with the guys side are the um, bungees. So you had a couple rings to a bungee to a ring to a rope um, over water. So I like that change up. And um, 
I that's why I say fifth place unofficially for me because I crossed and finished in fifth, and then um, there's like a rural discrepancy, and it's my own fault. I know better. And the worst part was they were lacking kind of an obstacle attendance, and I had a questionable landing on the rig. I landed on the ground, but then like my leg fell in the water, and I know the rules online for cliffhanger, the monkey bar say if you fall back in the water, it doesn't count. But the online rules for Tarzan are over ground, and if you touch the line with one foot, it it counts, and you've experienced that. So yeah. in the heat of the moment when I was racing, yeah, unfortunately you did it the wrong way. <laughs> um, like in the heat of the moment when I was racing, my foot dipped in, but I landed, and then I asked for an obstacle attendant, and they weren't there, and all the guys that were there like told me go, I was like, are you sure? And I just, when I finished, I knew I didn't feel right. And, like, I was talking to Nathan, and he said that Dave said at the start line, any water obstacle, if you touch the water, it was a fail. So, like, I kept my feet above the water, which makes sense. But I was just, wasn't thinking about it race brain. So I immediately, when I realized, like, my mistake, I went and told Dave at the finish line that I don't think, like, I finished properly or I don't, I don't know and he said, you know, no other girls came up and, like, brought it up because there was no one six, you know, they were a minute behind me or a couple minutes behind me. And he said, you know, there was no issues or it called or questioned on the course. So, like, we were discussing this. And I, I was basically being honest. And, you know, again, that's what we like to have. Like, as athletes, we hold ourselves, you know, accountable. So it was fifth, but I don't think the standings won't show that. And it was just – one of those, my bad, I should have just redone it. Like, if I've ever been questionable, I'll redo it to make sure I'm 100%. Like, I had a questionable landing on a slack line once. I redid it anyways just to be sure because I don't ever want to be, like, accused of that. So I just wasn't thinking. I Like, I was trying not to die on course because, again, the dehydration, like, my running sucked. It was hot, and I was so slow. Um, I just wanted to finish the race. So, <laughs> so it, it was unfortunate. I'm kind of mad at myself, but... I'm ready for OKC in a couple of weeks to redeem myself because, like I said, it wasn't that it was a hard rig. I just was a dum-dum and made a stupid error. So um, there were other issues. I were just you know, talking about rules and everybody, you know, doing things properly and calling, course marshalling each other plus the obstacle attendant. And I just don't ever want to be an issue like that. So it was a great race, and I'm bummed and mad at myself and disappointed. But overall, I still did obstacles on my first try. So that was what I was going for, knowing that – I haven't done their obstacles. I was nervous about stairway. <laughs> I was afraid I was going to fail stairway right at the end just because I haven't done it in a while. And it was brutal. But you were missed, Evan. And um, are you going to be at OKC? You're not going to do OKC, are you? No. I got another <laughs> toughest. And then... So I'm gonna miss I'm gonna miss OKC, which also is the team event, uh, which spots are very limited. So if you haven't signed up for that, definitely sign up. Uh, but I will be at everything from July onwards uh for awesome well so speaking of okc i'm running saturday elite i don't have a team no one picked me so on sunday (laughs) um i'm gonna film and try to see if they'll ride me and whatever so um everybody pay attention if you can't be there unfortunately you're a slacker and don't get yourself to the team event um like you said get signed up before spots fill up but i'm gonna try and um share that live for everybody so you can experience ctg team event and then that way you'll make it to tulsa yeah but yeah oh and that's my latest news so to wrap it up because i know i'm like out of time here um 
Dallas was the 2nd of June. That was, you know, last weekend, depending on when this comes out. Uh, TMX, Tough Mudder, Extreme Championships this weekend in Virginia. I was supposed to be competing, um, but again, my off-season just was out of whack, so I withdrew from that. But I will be there cheering and watching um, that go down with some of the most amazing top athletes. So that's exciting for this weekend. But other than that, CTG is mainly my focus for the season and ready for OKC. And ready to see you at one of them. Yeah. Okay. Uh, like Brett said, we've been droning on for a while, so we're going to get this moving along. <laughs> uh, Brenna, any final shout-outs you want to give? Um, yeah, I'll just give a shout-out to one of our CDG Pro Team sponsors, Harbinger Fitness. Um, they're one of those ones that I don't think we see as much on race day necessarily because not, it's not like a piece of gear or race gear that we use, but I feel like I utilize them in my training and – Harbinger Fitness is basically, you know, fitness equipment. So I have an awesome weight vest from them, um, the, like, lifting different gloves. I have my, like, weighted dip belt to do weighted dips from Harbinger Fitness, along with the grips that you can put on the bar or dumbbells to work on, um, like, a wider, fatter grip to train. So, yeah, Harbinger Fitness, check them out. Most gyms, if you even pay attention to their fitness equipment, like their tricep, um, tricep pull-down ropes and all sorts of equipment is from them so give them a look sweet i'm gonna give a quick plug for my new book mud run guides ultra ocr bible so one of the times when i posted it in one of the facebook groups you know someone was like well how did you pick the interviewees so i interviewed 10 people at the back of the book from uh kind of high level ultra ocr people to show what their training diet and you know attitude on racing is like so people were like, well, you know, how did you pick these 10 people? And I thought it was a good question, so I wanted to share the answer on the podcast in a public forum, right? So the answer is, it's a, couple, it's a complicated answer. First thing is, when I originally drafted it, I kind of wrote it as a Tough Mudder-specific book. Um, so I, was, I generally favored Tough Mudder athletes over people who do, like, Spartan Ultra Beast. So there's a natural bias towards that. And at one point, I actually emailed Tough Mudder headquarters asked if they wanted to essentially publish the book, you know, with me as an author, because they have a, a large reach, a larger reach than I'll have. Um, they never responded. Um, actually, it was originally a Mudder and Guide book, then I switched to Tough Mudder, and then back to Mudder and Guide. Um, so there is a Tough Mudder, a little bit of Tough Mudder bias in the book over Spartan athletes. Um, and then kind of the reasons of the 10 people I selected. One, I wanted athletes with different backgrounds. So I wanted ultra runners, ninjas, people who focus on ultra OCR, people who just do short, a little more focus on short coast OCR, people who do selection type events. So kind of a, kind of a mix of everyone. But the common thread there was OCR had to be your primary sport. So there are plenty of great ultra OCR athletes. Uh, example, Stephanie Bishop or Deanna Blegg. Both of them are world's toughest motor champions, but their primary sport, I would say, is adventure racing over OCR. So that's why I wouldn't have chosen them for the book. Um, for ultra runners, I have Jordan Smith, who paced me at OCR America, Ninja, you know, I have Amy Pagic. For selection type events, I have Logan Nagel and Christina Armstrong in there. And then I also have for, you know, kind of the pro OCR that does real well at short course stuff, I have Rhea Colbel, Allison Ty, Ryan Atkins. Um, for World's Toughest Mudder Champions in there, I have uh, Ryan Atkins, Trevor Sykos, and Rhea Coble. 
Uh, I also wanted a, some a couple of 100 miler finishers. So uh, Ryan Atkins, Trevor Sykos in there for that. Um, kind of two, a, I wanted a theme. <laughs> yeah. So two, I wanted a mix of people in the top 20 of World's Toughest Motor. So you can see, you know, I, I didn't just go from you know grab one through five male and one through five female and just throw them in there. I wanted people, you know, some people who typically finish first, some people who finish on the podium, some people just off the podium, some people a little lower in the top 20. So you can see, like, this person does X and gets result Y, and this person does, you know, y or Z and gets result A, right? So, like, you can see a difference when you compare them. So I didn't want to just grab the same person. So, like, essentially, like, carbon copies of the same person because I feel like you get the same answers. And then finally, I selected people based off of people who have been nice to me and helped me in the past. Um, so again, Jordan Smith paced me for OCR America, so I used him. He's got an ultra running background. Um, Allison Ty, the first time I ever met her before she even, before she like we even introduced ourselves, she's like, oh, I read your articles. I love them. And I was like, all right, then you're in my next book. Good answer. <laughs> I was like, I can be buttered up. <laughs> so uh, yeah. And then um, obviously I wanted Ryan Atkins in there. The guy's undefeated king of ultra OCR, right? He's never lost. So I feel like that's a mandatory um, mandatory one to get in there. So there's a ton of other great ultra OCR athletes. I know I definitely missed a lot from the Spartan side, especially um, again because I'm I'm tough mutter biased a little bit. But um, you know I I hope there's no hard feelings or out there or anything or people are upset their friends weren't picked or whatever. Uh, but the book can only be so long, and I felt I didn't want to have too much redundancy in there. But I still want to get a mix of. Uh, great athletes so a bunch of these athletes I already named on the podcast earlier when i was talking about you know toughest mother results uh, chris mendoza matt hansen uh, you know robert killian all, all these guys just have done some phenomenal stuff in ultra ocr so i couldn't include everyone uh but i will say that all those people who do well at these events definitely inspire me and in the book i tried to include as many pictures of other people as possible um kind of as a thank you and include their names because i think you know, whether one of the things I love about ultra OCR is whether you're the first person across the line or the last person across the line at the end of the event, you know, you've still been moving for eight hours or 24 hours or however long the event was um, versus something short like, a, you know, like OCR World Championships where Jonathan Albin's finishing in an hour and a half and the last person across the line is finishing in, you know, 559 because there's a six hour cutoff. Right. So I think I think ultra OCR is kind of a unique, unique animal for that. All right, I think we droned on long enough. Sorry for running my mouth for so long. Brenna, Thanks. final words before we go? Anything? No, that's it, man. We get these in every once in a while, so y'all just bear with us. We like to catch y'all up on what we do. So thanks for listening, and um, can't wait for the next one. All right, we'll see you later. <laughs>